Hello, this is Minister Leonard Harris, and we would like to say greetings to all of our Pleasant Green parishioners and our congregation at large, as well as those who participate and join in with us on the study of our Bible lessons. And again, we always look at this as a blessing and an opportunity to indulge into the Word of God and to seek what is God's intent uh, as we study and engage into the lesson to receive what God has intended for us to learn and to practice uh, from the Word of God. And uh, we like to thank everyone for joining in with us. And our lesson for today, December the 3rd, uh, this is out of the standard lesson commentary. And uh, this will be out of unit one. And that unit has a collection of five lessons. This is lesson one, and it is entitled, The Faith of Ruth. The Faith of Ruth. And the devotional reading is from the book of Acts, the 10th chapter, verses 34 through 38. And our background scripture is from the book of Ruth, the fourth chapter, verses 13 through 22. And then our printed passage is from the first chapter of Ruth, uh, verses 16 through, I'm sorry, verses 6 through 18, and also verse 22. So Ruth, the first chapter, starting at verse 6 through 18, and then also verse 22. And our key verse is Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. And our lesson's aims are, first, to identify the three named people in the text, to summarize their situation in light of the period of the judges, and state a way that he or she can imitate Ruth's model of courage and faithfulness. And the lesson outline uh, has the introduction, but it also has uh, three sections to it. And those sections are titled or listed as the first exchange, which is uh, Ruth 1, verses 6 through 10. And the second exchange first chapter of Ruth, verses 11 through 14, and then the third exchange, Ruth 1, 
and that would be verses 15 through 18, and also verse 22. And before we begin uh, to engage into our lesson, uh, we always want to seek the intervention of the Spirit of God to guide us and direct us into our lesson. So let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, the creator and the maker of all that is. Father, we thank you that you have afforded us this opportunity that we once again can learn, indulge ourselves into your word and to learn the things that you would have us to know. And as always, we ask for the compelment and the conviction of your spirit to strengthen us that we might be able to live out the things that we learn that we would be lights in a world of darkness and we ask it all in the name of Christ and for his sake we ask it amen now as we begin into our lesson, a good place uh, for us to start would be to address one of the aims of the lesson, which is to identify the women who are listed in our lesson. And those women are Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. And it would be interesting if we were just to address the Hebrew understanding and meaning of their names. And uh, for Naomi, of course, her name translated and it means pleasant. And Ruth translated, her name means friendship. And Orpah translator her name is hind and in the hebrew that word hind uh has one uh, aspect uh to its meaning uh, it means turning away or turning back and so as we go into our lesson it would be good for us to remember the significance of the meaning of the names of the women who are presented in our lesson and one of the first aims uh, was to address the significance of the meaning of the women's names and then also to look at the impact or the connection uh, between how the book of Judges relates to the situations that the women faced in the book of Ruth. Now, the book of Judges comes after the leadership of Joshua. And it is mentioned that uh, no one was capable of duplicating the leadership of Joshua and how he exercised God's intent for the people of Israel. Uh, the book uh, is focused on rebellion, retribution, repentance, and restoration. 
And at the conclusion or at the end of the book of Judges, and we know we had 13 judges, uh, 12 men and one woman, and the woman's name was Deborah, who was appointed as the fourth judge of Israel. But towards the end of the book of Judges, the last verse reads this, and it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, when we read that as the concluding verse in the book of Judges, um, this does not mean that all of the uh, conditions in Israel were totally bad, uh, as will be demonstrated uh, by the book of Ruth. Uh, so it doesn't teach us that all evil was caused uh, in Israel because they had the lack of a king. Uh, it doesn't uh, insinuate that uh, there were bad periods of leadership even when kings were placed over Israel. Uh, it just sets the tone as to one of the aims in our lesson is to impart uh, what were some of the situations uh, that were caused. And in this, we will be looking at the customs, the traditions, and the legal manners uh, in which of, uh, were addressed to the three women, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. And so as we uh, go further into our lesson, well, we want to look at the uh, section of the first exchange. And when we uh, start here, our verse, of course, starts on the uh, sixth verse. But prior to that, uh, gives us uh, a background as to what Naomi is addressing uh, in the sixth verse as she starts out speaking to them, her daughter-in-laws, uh, to return home from there. Return home from where? Return home from Moab. And Moab is a mountainous region. And when they said return, they were coming back from Moab into Judah of Bethlehem. And it was because when we read at the beginning of Ruth from verses 1 uh, through 5, we find that there was a famine in the land. There was a period of drought. And that created, like, devastation in the land. And so uh, many people who were able fled from the drought area or the famine in the land. And uh, they went to regions located around. And uh, Naomi had gone, uh, and her husband had gone into Moab. 
and her husband's name was Imelech, uh, which is translated, God is king. And from the union of Imelech and Naomi, they had two sons. And her two sons were married to her two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. And so what we find in the first five verses is, is that Naomi's husband died first. And then the fourth verse tells us that there was a period of about 10 years that passed uh, before both of her son's lives uh, were taken. Both of her sons died, which left the three women as widows uh, and husbandless. And so when we start out in our lesson, we look at the conditions and the circumstances that were prevalent. One is, is that the family had already endured a natural, uh, a natural uh, uh, reality, which was is that there was a famine in the land. And so even while they were married, they were still undergoing a uh, circumstance which a lot of times presents some unexpected choices and decisions that must be made. And they had to leave their homeland and go into Moab, which was an area that was prohibited according to the God of Israel and the lifestyle of the Hebrews of Israel according to their customs and laws set forth for them by the God of Israel. And so they had to flee into a land that they were told through their teachings as to not uh, to uh, take on or to become accustomed to the ways of the Moabites. Uh, um, and so here... Now that the husbands have passed and they are widowed, but it opens by telling us that Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them in Judah of Bethlehem. And so... By hearing this and recognizing that they all were without a spouse, that uh, they needed to go back, Naomi's thought was to go back to her homeland where she would feel more comfortable with the care that was provided for widows. And so once she heard that the famine was over, then she thought and contemplated what is best for me and considering her daughter-in-laws. And so in that first uh, verse of our lesson, verse 6, where it talks about that, okay, uh, now Naomi knows that the famine is over, 
that the land is being blessed again. And so rather than be a widow in the land of a people who are not of her own and to be subjected to the care that is provided for women who are not of the same stock or of the same race or of the same people. She chose that it would be best for her to go back to her homeland where she was accustomed with the ways and the laws and the manners by which she would be cared for. So when we look uh, at our first lesson, I mean our first verse in our lesson, the commentary reads this, and it says that, And God's renewed provision in her homeland meant that her family's legal obligations to care for her would not burden an already famished community. The inclusion of her daughters-in-law might surprise us as their families of origin would be expected to care for them in their widowhood. This tension drives the action to come. So not knowing um, or realizing that the customs would be to take care of the widow, uh, but also recognizing that the people have just returned out of a famine and not wanting to burden the customs of her own people by bringing people who were not Israelites or not Hebrews, but Moabites. And not knowing whether or not there would be a like receptive community based upon supply and provisions to care for those who are outside of the family. And so with that thought in mind, then uh, Naomi enters into verse 7, and it says, With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Now, listening to this, uh, commentary also lifts this to address that decision, and it says, Naomi, the journey back to the land of Judah was to return to her family and the safety net they represented. By using the same rationale of family obligation and care, Naomi's two daughters-in-law would have been expected to stay in their homeland, Moab. So that brings us in to the next verse, verse 8, that says, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. And so when we look at uh, the situations that uh, many times life presents to us, and they uh, are not always 
easygoing and pleasant conditions, uh, sometimes uh, they bring challenges that uh, we are not immediately receptive and ready to uh, take on. And so, therefore, we begin to look at the devastation that has occurred. We look at what are going to be the most possible solutions and outcomes uh, to address the needs of concern at this time. And Naomi, uh, not knowing uh, how the famine had affected the people before they sojourned back, and uh, not knowing exactly what would be the provisions and the amount and what the customs would say as to caring for widows who were outside of their family structure, uh, looking at uh, it becoming a burden, and also looking at uh, people uh, wondering and people contemplating that just as it was the Israelites, the Hebrews' responsibility to take on the care for Naomi, then these other two women, Ruth and Orpah, being Moabites, then isn't it Moab's responsibility to take on the care and custodial care for these two women, since they are of uh, the land of Moab. And so she's contemplating these thoughts and trying to arrive at what would be the possible and the best outcome concerned for her daughter-in-laws. And when we look into uh, verse 8, and verse 9, and she begins uh, by saying, May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye. And the kiss was... Uh, not just a greeting kiss. It was a kiss of departure. It was a kiss that signaled or signified and symbolized that the love that she felt for them and her concern for their world, uh, well-being was in an embrace of departure. And she was passing on the goodness kindness that she had seen demonstrated and saying that the God that she served, she prayed upon that that God would grant unto them the same kindness, the same love, the same respect that they demonstrated. It would be given back to them, even though they were returning back to Moab. And so when we look at how this unravels here, it then says to look even further into the devotion and the attachment and the admiration that the daughters-in-law felt 
towards Naomi. Verse uh, 9 and 10 said, And they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. And this was an example. This was an expression of how much they had loved and grown to respect and appreciate their mother-in-law. And they did not want to be separated from her. They did not want there to be an end to this relationship. But Naomi, she responded in verse 11, beginning into our second exchange. She felt the anguish of her daughter-in-laws, which impressed upon her even more so that how could she uh, assure them that this degree of devotion and love and appreciation that uh, they demonstrated and even uh, uh, through the expression of shedding tears to be separated from that. It even increased the intensity that Naomi felt for being the one who now would be uh, providing or directing them to a place and to a people who would now uh, remove that loss and that anguish and the uh, separation of their husbands. And so that made her feel even more responsible. And she responds by saying, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? So Naomi, as I said, is thinking of how am I as a widow going to be to, uh, able to provide for them? And we'd have to think about the lifestyle that they have participated in. By looking at um, uh, the duration, the time element that her daughter-in-laws were married to her sons, and then to hear her express uh, one of the expressions in their uh, relationship as kindness meant that they were uh, enjoying a life uh, even though they were in a land escaping their homeland among a people who were not of themselves. They still were enjoying a life of comfort. They were still uh, engaged in exemplifying love and kindness and goodness towards each other. And they definitely did not want this to become a separation. But Naomi feels that, uh, how am I going to be able to provide those things that you have become accustomed to? to being with my sons. And now she identifies that her age, and she puts it into practical 
understanding. And she identifies in verse 12 that we return home, return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I thought another man would choose to marry me, to take me as his wife. And I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? So she puts things into practical application. And she says, you know, even if I was blessed to find a husband uh, and we married and then uh, tonight uh, uh, we we engaged in relations and uh, I brought forth the son, sons. Uh, they, the, you would have to wait for maybe 20 something years. And would you be willing to do that and wait that long period of time? So she's stating to them, look, let's get beyond the circumstances and look realistically at what we have before us. And so she brings this out to uh, uh, make them aware of, I know we're grieving. I know that uh, the customs uh, have said that the wealth goes to the male of the family and we are without husbands. And therefore, we have to rely upon other men to take on caring for us. Uh, uh, if we, uh, we know that the scripture tells us that there were no sons that were born to the union. There were no children that were born to the union of Ruth and Orpah. And so there was not another heir that could take on the wealth of the family and then still care for their mothers. So that left the women subjected to the uh, customs and to the social cultural order that men would take on the responsibility of caring for those women who had lost their husbands. And as Naomi is contemplating this, uh, verse 13, sometimes situations and circumstances in life can cause us to feel that God is actually punishing us for something. Why would God allow this to happen to us? Take my husband and then both of my sons and then leave their daughters to my care. And so in uh, the uh, 13th verse here, uh, uh, Naomi identifies and explains to the daughters again to try and emphasize or to try and uh, cause them to rationalize that. Uh, look at what's happening. And so verse talks about that she felt that the law was bitter towards her. In fact, uh, in uh, the scripture, it talks about the naming. She identified herself as Mara, which meant bitter. And so 
when we think of that, sometimes we feel that because of certain circumstances in life, that maybe we're being punished for something or God is angry with us. And so she wanted them to be aware. And as we proceed into the 14th, going into our 15th verse, here is where we find that Orpah, that she then turned to her mother-in-law to Naomi, she kissed her with the same inference of the kiss that Naomi gave to her earlier. And she decided to go back to her people, Moab. But Naomi, uh, in verse 15, it says, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied with the key verse of our lesson and she says don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you wherever you go i will go wherever you stay i will stay your people will be my people and your god my god and wherever you die i will be buried there and uh as our verse uh, concludes, and it, it, it tells us that Naomi felt uh, that the Lord was dealing with her severely. And she mentions in uh, verse 17, 18, that uh, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her and stop urging her. And so Naomi emphasizes that even though if the Lord is dealing severely with me, and even if by death that would separate us. So she now realizes that no matter what, Ruth is going to stay with me. And verse 22 concludes by saying, Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And Bethlehem uh, is translated the bread of life. And uh, so when we look at the irony of how uh, this uh, devastation or this travesty uh, unfolds, we still see that no matter what uh, circumstances are brought about in our life. Now, as we read further into our lesson, we learn that Ruth exemplifying her faith in the life that she saw demonstrated by Naomi. She was so impressed. She was so overwhelmed and overtaken by her dedication to her God that it caused her to say that wherever you are going, 
I'm going. Wherever you stay, I must stay. Wherever you die, I will die. And whoever your God is, that will be my God. And she put her faith and exercised it. And then we find that in the fourth chapter, as we read further in the book of Ruth, we find that uh, Ruth, as they went in back into Judah of Bethlehem, and we know that she met Boaz. And Boaz took her as his wife. And I believe it is in the uh, uh, book of Matthew, uh, the first chapter of Matthew in the fifth verse, where it talks about that uh, Boaz and Ruth beget or had the son Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David in the lineage or the genealogy of Christ. And so when we many times talk about that uh, God's thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways are above our ways, we don't see the long-term intention even though we are afflicted sometimes with life's circumstances and consequences. But if we endure until the end and don't lose faith, as our lesson focuses on the faith of Ruth, look at how through devastation that Ruth was still blessed. And so we hope and pray that something in our lesson was shared that gives some insight, helps us, encourages us, lets us know that even though hard times in life may come, that hardships and whatever circumstances we may endure, that God has not forgotten us. It does not mean that we're being punished. It just means that these are the realities of life. And how we adjust and receive them based upon our faith and continued commitment to the will of God determines what our outcomes will be. And as always, God bless you and God keep you is our prayer.